Welcome to Millennial 705. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Okay, so I can't be the only one thinking this, right? Like, who gives a fuck about Tom Brady? I don't care. All I could think about yesterday, and it was filling me with rage, was that we're all supposed to conveniently forget that Tom Brady is a fucking Trump supporter. Meanwhile, Colin Kaepernick is still dealing with the consequences of peacefully protesting. I, right. No, I completely agree. I am not very much into football. I don't follow it until like later in the season during the playoffs. But I am sick of Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. He's won it six or seven times now. And he's been in the Super Bowl 10 times. And it's just so tired. And that game was an embarrassment for the Kansas City Chiefs. They were awful. And I don't think they scored a single touchdown. They scored points in other ways. I don't know. Field goals? Is that what they're called? But yeah, it was it was a, a disappointing game. Even the commentators at the start of the game were like, it's going to be really down to the wire with this one. It ended up being like a 20-point spread by halftime or soon after. Laura, did you watch it? You don't normally. You know I didn't. <laughs> you know I didn't. But I did catch some like commercials that alexa commercial that's all i needed i didn't yeah, need michael to watch b. the jordan. super bowl i just needed to see michael b jordan like romantically gazing through a window <laughs> while the sprinklers rained on him now <laughs> that here's is the dream <laughs> the, here's the 10 million dollar question or whatever it costs to run that ad are you gonna buy an alexa now finally no oh <sighs> I'm if just going to play that Michael ad. B. Jordan, maybe. <laughs> I'm just going to play that ad on repeat again and again. If they were smart, as if Amazon wasn't smart, you should be able to set his voice as Alexa for certain phrases or something. Oh, I'm sure they yeah, paid him enough. I was thinking about that, too. And he's That's... got an overall deal now with Amazon Studios. I was just reading that today. Oh, like they've expanded like it over to, I think, um, original series and also movie content. So if there was some way that I could like stare into Michael B. Jordan's eyes uninterrupted, then I might we buy an Alexa. We could buy you a cardboard cutout <laughs> and you could put it next to Hillary so Hillary oh can have God. a friend. Oh, there we go. This year's Christmas yeah. gift. I'm sure Michael B. Jordan is like, I definitely want to hang out with Hillary Clinton. There are Echo devices with screens now. I pre-ordered a new one that's coming out later this month because I really like these Echo devices. And... um Maybe they can have Michael B. Jordan staring into your eyes 24-7. Who knows? Oh, what a dream. I This year, more than any other year, I've been like, I don't care about the ads. They're just trying to manipulate us. Maybe it's because I watched Mad Men like six months ago. They're just trying to manipulate us. I don't want to be fooled by this garbage. You know, because everybody worships these Super Bowl commercials. Everybody's so excited to see them. And I'm like... Yeah, they're funny. And I've, of course, been entertained by them, too. But I'm like, we need to stop falling for this shit. <laughs> We're pawns in this chess game. Um, I was also a little extra mad about the Super Bowl commercials this year because my Bruce, who has never done a commercial in in his life, finally did a commercial. And it had a good message about unity, but it was for Jeep. And like, I don't know if right now is the time to call for unity, especially when you have been very outspoken about Trump. And plus, you think about all the yeah. white supremacists and it's like, do you want to unite with them? I appreciated checking in on Bruce. They only filmed that commercial a week ago, and it was nice seeing that he is still as hot as ever. But besides that, I really did not like the commercial. Also, capitalizing on the idea of unity in this environment feels pretty crass. 
Yeah. Like, unity, buy a Jeep. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, what do you expect? Because the NFL would also like us all to focus on unity instead of the fact that, you know, they outsted a black player for deciding that he wanted to uh, take a stand peacefully. Yeah. Yep. Pam, did any commercials stand out to you? I hate to say this because we were just talking about how it's it's kind of shitty that you know they're running commercials at all right now. But I liked the the Wayne's World Cardi B um, collab. I thought oh, that, yeah, that that also good. did have a nice message. It was just like eat local, which you, you should. You know, like right now, everybody's kind of struggling. And if you have the means and if there's like a mom and pop place or a local place that you really, really love, the really an easy way to support them is to to dine out there instead of, you know, going for a chain. But, and I'm glad you brought this up because that was a commercial for Grubhub or Uber Eats. I think right, it was the right. latter. Those fucking apps crush restaurants. They take way too much in fees. They kill the delivery drivers. So yes, eat local, but for the love of God, just go pick it up yourselves. Honestly, as a tweet said last night, <laughs> I, I've never used a delivery app. So oh, really? Rather, never? Yeah, I think I well, I think I used it once um, because I really wanted coffee from this one place and it was at Comic-Con and it was really far away. I didn't want to go get it. But but other than that, I mean, I, I'd rather just go pick it up because like you said, the fees are a nightmare and I don't I've never really thought about where the money goes for that. But mm -hmm. it kind of crazy like you have to order a bunch of food and none of the promo codes ever really work in your favor they're always like here's a hundred bucks but you can only use like two dollars each time you make a right an yeah order restaurants hate these apps they they use them because they know people are using these apps but they hate them because they just take too much in fees i was cringing during the sesame street one it was Sesame Street and Grubhub or DoorDash. I'm like, if this, if Big Bird really knew about what these delivery apps are doing to the restaurants and customers, Big Bird would not be happy about this. Big Bird's not real, so. What? But you still don't want Big Bird to sell out. Uh, Laura, how's your Dogecoin doing? Um, you a millionaire yet? N no, and I'm never, just to clarify, I'm never going to be a millionaire off Dogecoin um, <laughs> because... I purchased 2100 uh credits or 21 credit 2100 stocks. I'm still new to all the lingo. Shares. Uh, shares. There you go. But it's not um, a stock, it's a crypto. So you bought 2100 Doge coins. Uh, yeah, I bought 2100 <laughs> of them. Um valued at 2 cents a piece. Now they're worth 8 cents a piece. Hey. Which sounds insignificant, but I've like doubled my investment, so <laughs> Haven't you like quadrupled it if it went from two cents to eight cents? Well, so my initial purchase was for two cents, and then I later made a purchase that was for four cents. So, like, oh, you averaged I, up. Yeah, I averaged up a little bit. Amateur um, mistake. But yeah, I mean, my $80 has turned into $160. So that's something. <laughs> <laughs> I've been texting Laura a little bit over the past few days because I follow Elon Musk, and he's really been pumping dogecoin recently he will just tweet much wow that's it that's the tweet yep and dogecoin will suddenly skyrocket it just it is so entertaining to watch this power i'm sure he's entertained <laughs> too that's probably oh, yeah. why he's doing it he's probably studying just like how much of an of an effect that he has on this crypto yeah and that's honestly i feel like it's it's a fun way to put a few dollars in the stock market and just dabble and kind of learn more about how it works. 
Yeah. Um, I, I've seen some people who claim that they're putting thousands of dollars into this, which I think is a horrible idea. This could crash literally any minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't put more in there than you can actually lose. Right. Um, but it's been fun. And who knows? I mean, Tesla apparently invested one point five or they purchased one point five billion in Bitcoin. So who knows what this means for cryptocurrencies? Yeah, but it's interesting because now you're going to be able to buy. They announced this on Monday. You're going to be able to buy a Tesla and their other products with Bitcoin, which is just insane. (laughs) And it's a big deal because it gives Bitcoin some serious credibility. I mean, some places have accepted Bitcoin as a a form of payment, but this is like a really big company to do that. So yeah, who knows what what's going to happen from here and what the point of all this is. I'll be able to buy my ticket to Mars um, with Dogecoin. (laughs) (laughs) Tweet that to Elon. He'll probably say yes. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm going to do that. That's a great idea. I wonder if Um, Pat can start getting paid in Dogecoin. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Well, have you heard of companies? Um, I don't think it's quite so common now, but a few years ago, there were certain companies that offered you um, the opportunity to get your paychecks in uh, Bitcoin. Which is insane to me. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> but the value of Bitcoin keeps going up. So actually, yeah. I mean, a single Bitcoin is currently worth like about forty thousand dollars. Forty six thousand dollars. It shot up today with Tesla buying one point five billion bitcoins or million. Bitcoins. Maybe if you had like expendable income, most people don't. But if you did, and you could just say, "I'd like to get," you know. Um, 10% of my paycheck in Bitcoin. I just also wanted to mention, we've been talking about COVID a little less here on the show. We don't have our COVID designated segment anyway. Um, But I noticed in recent weeks that the COVID cases, new daily COVID cases have actually been on the decline. And I was wondering what you two make of the falling numbers. Have you guys noticed this? Yeah. yeah. It just feels like false security still honestly yeah and you have a really good point here in the doc andrew it's the drop from the spike that happened at the holidays right so like post holidays numbers were really high and now they're starting to come down of course we just had super bowl sunday and uh 25 of fans were estimated to have still attended super bowl parties mm-hmm. <laughs> yesterday so we'll see yeah, what I did notice was that if you look at the daily case chart from the past few months, you see these increases roughly about two weeks after Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And of course, things started yeah. falling because now we're well past two weeks after New Year's. I'm thinking now there's really no national days of gathering coming up until Memorial Day. So St. Patty's Day. Oh, shit. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that And one. also spring break. Yeah. Ah, double shit. People yeah. are still fucking dumb, and they're going to do mm-hmm. both of those things. All right. Well, never mind. I was going to say baby cases will really fall now that there's no big uh, gathering events happening. But I actually had a dream last night about getting the first dose of the Moderna vaccine. <laughs> and I just woke up and I was like, wow, how deeply has this FOMO penetrated my subconscious? Yeah, I'm dreaming about getting a vaccine and feeling really <laughs> happy about it. Like in the dream, I was super jazzed. I even remember getting my little card in the dream showing that I'd gotten the vaccine. Yeah, everybody's like, taking a photo with that really, card. <laughs> you were deep into this fantasy. <laughs> Very much so. Laura, you got to record a new cover 
I'm dreaming of a vaccination, <laughs> just like the ones my friends on Facebook received. <laughs> All right, it's time for a word from this week's sponsor, Talkspace. Look, this pandemic has really challenged everyone's mental health in ways we probably never thought possible. Some of us are juggling childcare with working full-time in our homes. Some of us are fighting with our partners more than usual. And on top of that, many of us are encountering unexpected job changes and challenges. It's all a lot to handle under normal circumstances, but it's especially grueling during a pandemic. All of this leads to a crushing amount of stress, which is why I'm grateful that I have my Talkspace therapist who lets me vent anytime I want. Talkspace therapists give you the support you need to feel your best. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. I think you'll be amazed at how much progress you can make each week that you attend therapy. And by the way, this is all from your couch or your bed or wherever you may be at any given moment. My therapist gives me practical guidance that really changed my life for the better. I am so glad that I found Talkspace and got the support that I need, and you can too. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off of your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code MILL to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's MILL and Talkspace.com. Okay, well, jumping right into the latest politics news for the last week or so, uh, the second impeachment trial is set to begin on the day this episode is being released, uh, Tuesday, February 9th. How are y'all feeling? Super Bowl, then impeachment part two, just a (laughs) loaded week. You know what? I'm going to be real (laughs) with you. I forgot about this because there's just been so much else going on, but I know that it's important, like, even if it's just... You know, you know, it's tough because, I mean, it needs to happen. It's the right thing to do. However, I also recognize taking a bird's eye view that it's kind of inconvenient um, because Biden has a lot. He has a very ambitious first 100 days agenda. And of course, we all know the first 100 days of a new administration are the most productive days that will happen during that term. So totally get that. This is not great timing. At the same time, it's not like anyone should be surprised <laughs> by this at all. Um, yeah. But we did find out that um, the Senate has agreed on ground rules for how the impeachment trial will go. And um, we know that the impeachment managers from the House and then Trump's lawyers are going to be given 16 hours each to make their cases. The day that the show is released, they are supposed to be having a four-hour-long debate about the constitutionality of this proceeding at all. So expect theatrics. <laughs> I don't yeah. think this is worth tuning in for, quite frankly. Like, you know, we have the question in here is like, will we be watching? I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to keep up through yeah. news updates. I might turn on C-SPAN every now and then, but... I'm not going to do what I did this time a year ago when we were doing the same fucking thing. Right. And watch wall-to-wall coverage. I'm not tuning in and I don't care just because we already know the outcome. Unfortunately, we know he won't be convicted. Yeah, he's not going to be convicted. However, I think that's really important. 
I think it's really important to force a vote and force people to decide which side of this issue they're going to come down on for posterity's sake. Yeah. Um, You know, this is sort of like a final redemption arc potential for any Republican who has been a Trump supporter up until this point. And according to, I mean, Gallup put out a poll really recently showing that a slim margin of Americans or a slim uh, majority of Americans actually want to see Trump convicted this time. Mm. Of course, we've discussed polling in the past and how polling can be flawed. So bear all of those things in mind. Like when people take surveys, for whatever reason, they tend to answer in the affirmative to the question being asked. So that's just one thing to keep in mind about this poll. It'll be interesting to see what McConnell does because he has signaled that he was glad the impeachment was happening. I don't know if that means he'll vote in favor of convicting Trump, but based on his comments over the past few weeks, I'll be very interested to see how he votes. The only thing that could possibly make this interesting for me is if somehow there's new evidence revealed that exposes just how complicit Trump was in this attack on the Capitol happening, or if maybe there's some recording of him saying, I hope they fucking break into that place and tear it down. I'll keep an eye on on Twitter, but I'm not watching it. Even if you do get some crossover, you need 17 Republicans to vote to convict in order for Trump, you know, not to be acquitted. Mm-hmm. So anything less than that and he's acquitted. To me, I feel like the most important thing is to prevent this man from ever holding yeah. at the bare minimum federal office again. Um, but, you know, obviously we would need um, a pretty significant turnout from this trial in order to achieve that. Still, I think it's important for history's sake to see when we sort of came down to the final moment of reckoning in terms of like, where do you want to position yourself in the Trump narrative? And we'll see where people fall at the end of that. But I don't expect very many surprises. Agreed. I also thought we could talk a little bit about the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. So Senate Democrats actually passed a budget resolution that would allow them to pass this based on a simple majority vote as opposed to dealing with the Republicans filibustering. But there is some disagreement among more conservative Democrats and more progressive Democrats about uh, something called means testing. And this is basically uh, basing payments on a certain cutoff point based on your income. So During the last round of stimulus checks, those cutoff points were $75,000 a year for single filers and $150,000 a year for married filers or joint filers. And once you hit those um, income thresholds, the payments would start phasing out. So they would get a little bit smaller the more that you made. And then you reached a certain point where it was completely cut off. You didn't get it at all. Well, (laughs) some... Democrats, including Biden, has signaled that he's open to this, have talked about lowering these thresholds Mm -hmm. to $50,000 for single filers and $100,000 for joint filers, um, basically making it so that starting at $50,000, the more you make, the less you're going to get in terms of your stimulus check. I'm just here to call BS on that. I know the House (laughs) has called BS on this, right, Andrew? Yeah, on Monday night, they released an updated plan 
to keep the previous $75,000 and $150,000 limits. But this could change. So we'll see what happens. And another thing to remember is that they have been basing these stimulus checks off of your 2019 income, which makes zero sense. Because if you're affected by COVID, it affected your 2020 income, not your 2019 income. I was just doing some Googling and Democrats have explored basing eligibility for the stimulus payments on prior year income. In this case, it would be 2020 now. So maybe that'll happen, but probably not. But how? I mean, taxes aren't even due yet. How are you going to base it on 2020 income? Well, yeah, I don't know. Unless you're going to hold up stimulus checks until the summer. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this like this shit is just so out of touch. First of all, you're telling me that there is a substantial enough difference between somebody who made $49,000 and someone who made $51,000 as to say the person who made $51,000 deserves X amount less. Mm -hmm. Are you serious? Like the median income in this country is like $61,000. This is just another example of how the government is really out of touch with how much it costs to live in this country. Because, like, look, $50,000, like, you really, that's not a lot. That That's mm-hmm. like scraping at the bottom of the barrel if that's how much you live. It's like a, a decent starting salary. Right. But that's not even taking into account how much taxes takes out of that. Right. Or, like, but you're say, killer. Yeah. Right. Or like whether you have any bills or anything like that. Where you live. Where I yeah, mean, exactly like even seventy five thousand isn't it's not a lot. Enough or a lot for certain yeah. people. And I feel like I remember a time, and this could just be from the vantage point of, you know, being a kid, but if you thought about that kind of money, you thought about fifty thousand dollars, you thought about seventy five thousand dollars, you were like, That's a lot of money. Yeah. And then you realize how much everything costs and you're like, <laughs> right. Wow, that's re- that's pretty steadily middle class. Not I mean, and there are a lot of people who are below fifty thousand dollars, and that is also a problem. But I think it's a problem to pretend like people who are earning very middle class salaries are somehow rich. Right. Or well-to-do. I mean, my feeling is like, where was means testing when we passed $1.6 trillion in tax cuts Mm -hmm. a few years ago under Trump? Where was means testing every time members of Congress voted to give themselves a raise? Where was means testing when this country decided that a total of $3,200 was enough to make up for a year of living in a pandemic? Like, what the fuck? Because the little guy can never get ahead. Just like the situation with Robin Hood. As soon as the little guy started getting ahead with GameStop and AMC, oh my God, stop this from happening. We can't let this continue. It is really funny how we we have to have rules as soon as, as anybody is trying to, you know, claw themselves out of uh, a shittier yeah. situation. Yeah. It's just yeah. like with taxes, too. Like I spoke a year or two ago about Hypable, like we've had some really good years, but then we get fucked by taxes. Half of it goes away. And I'm like, how is a small business supposed to get ahead if you can't actually bank any of this money and reinvest it in future years? It just goes to the government. The whole thing's just been incredibly frustrating. And I think what pisses me off, too, is I feel like I'm watching Democrats dig their own grave. 
for the 2022 midterms. Mm -hmm. It's like there is no reason right now to be looking for excuses to not help people. This is an election losing issue. COVID relief is an extremely popular measure. You lose way more by getting really nitpicky about like, oh, well, what if one person out there gets more money than they need? You're going to lose way more treating it that way and trying to nickel and dime people than you will by saying something very reasonable like, hey, you know, come tax time, we can evaluate how much stimulus money people got. And if someone got too much, we can make up for it then. Mm-hmm. They're already asking that question on 2020 taxes. I have not filed mine yet, and you know that I will not anytime <laughs> soon. But I was looking at it the other day, and there was a question in there asking specifically how much stimulus money you received in 2020. So there is a very easy way for them to make sure that people don't over-benefit from this without you know, letting people fall through the cracks in the meantime. There are a lot of people who maybe made $55,000 in 2019, but then got laid off in 2020. So it's kind of, to your point, Andrew, null and void to use that income. Also just wanted to mention that over the weekend, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen did say it would take years for the economy to recover without Biden's plan. So kind of a little bit bit of a threat there. (laughs) Make sure you pass this plan or America's going to be in trouble. Something else interesting that has come out of... Um, The wake that emerged. Well, I don't like the word wake. Something else interesting that has come out of the waves created um, in the weeks following the January 6th insurrection is that Smartmatic, which is a tech company that um, in particular helped um, with election results in Los Angeles, I believe. It was very localized. Um, They've actually named Fox News (laughs) among, uh, along with some of its high-profile network personalities in a $2.7 billion defamation lawsuit over the network's false claims that Smartmatic helped rig the election in favor of Joe Biden. I love it. So this is fun. I mean, this is substantial. On top of the lawsuit hitting Fox News, they also named Lou Dobbs, Maria Bartiromo, Janine Pirro, Rudy Giuliani, and Sidney Powell. Um, Also weird, their home addresses are listed in this complaint, (laughs) which made me feel very uncomfortable when I read it. I was like, I don't need to know where these people live. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But what I really love about this is whoever wrote this complaint clearly had too much fun writing it. The Mm -hmm. opening paragraph (laughs) says, the earth is round. Two plus two equals four. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won the 2020 election for president and vice president of the United States. The election was not stolen, rigged or fixed. These are facts. They are demonstrable and irrefutable. (laughs) And they go on to lay out the case for how everyone named in this complaint knew these facts to be true, but told the big lie anyway, just to get rich. Right. And... Very quickly after this complaint was filed, Fox abruptly canceled Lou Dobbs Tonight, which is also its highest rated Fox business host yeah. or its highest fo- rated Fox business show. Yeah, it was really interesting. We don't know if this lawsuit was the reason why. 
But it certainly seems that it might have something to do with it. Lou Dobbs was one of the most outspoken people on voter fraud. He's one of Donald Trump's puppets, always has been. And uh, fun fact, my my uh, brother dated a girl who worked on Lou Dobbs's show. And I was like, how wow. could you date somebody who's working for such a horrible person? But anyway... Uh, that relationship didn't last, which is probably for the best. I hope more information comes out about why Lou Dobbs's show was canceled. Like, I don't think um, some of these other people at Fox are going to have their shows canceled because they're very popular. But I love that these voting companies can come after them. Uh, this happened with Newsmax and OAN, too. And what was the other one? Dominion. Because Sidney Powell Dominion, yeah. was squawking like crazy about Dominion, and, and Rudy was too, and others. And Dominion started throwing down the hammer, and suddenly, oh, oh we're not touching this because they don't want to be sued. These are these are reputable, established, major voting companies, and they're they're not going to let their reputations be tarnished by these douchebags on television, radio, and the internet. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was really just blatant lying. I mean, all of the people named in this suit were pushing the narrative that Smartmatic was a Venezuelan company run by communists, and Smartmatic is based in Delaware. <laughs> right. Like, there, there's no information to substantiate any of the wild claims that they were making, and I can't speak for all these people, but I mean, Lou Dobbs is not stupid. He knew and he became this person for money. Yeah. I actually remember a long time ago when Lou Dobbs was on CNN. Do you mm -hmm. remember this, mm -hmm. guys? So he had a similar evening talk show on CNN and um, I, I saw it sometimes and he never came across as a crazy person. Back then, a conservative economist, sure, but not crazy. And then it was like he saw the money and went over to Fox News and was like, if I say what these brainwashed people want me to say, then I'm going to make a lot of money. And that's exactly what this is. Right. And it's another example of how there have to be consequences because Fox News played its role in, you know, goading people to go to the Capitol that day. Yeah. And everyone has to face consequences. And now that Fox News is under fire, this is what you're going to start see happening on Fox News. This is a clip from uh, Newsmax. What, what happened with your Twitter account and the uh, company page? Well, first, mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have 100 percent proof. And then I... When they took it down uh, uh, about Mike, three weeks Mike, ago, I, and then I, when I put it back up, my personal, I put it, it was a Mike, uh, thank thing you very much. Mike, Mike, I, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified and Newsmax accepts the results as legal and final 
The courts have also supported that view. So right. we so, wanted to so talk. The legal clarifications cut into Mike Lindell because they Newsmax doesn't want to get sued anymore. You're going to start seeing that happening on Fox News. They're going to release these statements when people like Mike Lindell show up and start doubting the validity of the election. Well, they're definitely trying to correct now, but it's a little bit too late. So, <laughs> Right. The beauty of that clip, by the way, is that they started asking Mike Lindell about getting canceled on Twitter. And then Newsmax canceled Mike Lindell because they cut him off. And one of those hosts, the guy, just walked out, walked off the shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Well, it's really funny that you kicked off the show sort of talking about how we were very COVID light. And I feel like this is a very COVID heavy episode. And we're going to start off uh, talking a little bit about vaccine distribution. I also, in addition to checking out national headlines, try and read local news whenever I can. And I was reading my local hometown county's paper, and they had this report in there talking about how a uh, superintendent out here got vaccinated before in-classroom teachers at one of the county vaccination events. Um, this was an event that was specifically for people that work in person at schools. So everybody from in-person classroom teachers to custodial staff um, were included. And at this particular event, it just so happened that they had some extra vaccines that were ready to go that they were going that were going to go to waste if they didn't use them. Um, so they put out a call to the Department of Education out here and then also to all of the superintendents telling them to alert anybody that qualified to come down and, and get a vaccine at a first come first serve basis. So one of the superintendents went out there and he got his vaccine and he got dragged for it. And that's just like a local example from where I'm from. But this is not anything new. And I just think it's really interesting that that there has been a lot of public outcry about who deserves to be at the front of the line. Um, but maybe not surprising. Maybe we should have seen this coming. Um, a couple of examples that have happened in the recent weeks include OJ Simpson, who was trending on Twitter for posting a photo of getting his vaccine. People were very upset about this. He's um, a senior out- citizen. I'll <laughs> yeah. give him a pass. <laughs> out in LA County, Mayor Eric Garcetti also received backlash for getting vaccines, uh, specifically because he it does not meet like any of the requirements that the county had set. Oh. So um, he got in a bit of hot water for that and made a couple of statements trying to smooth it over. I'm sure at this point, LA County has forgotten because there's a lot of issues going on out there. Um, Variety also published a report a few weeks ago about how Hollywood's elite are really gunning for trying to get vac- vaccines at any means necessary, which is a whole another can of worms. Um, and then somebody in here put in something about SoulCycle. Yeah, so a Soul Cycle instructor was under fire last week because she got the vaccine and uh, she got it because she called herself an educator just because she coaches stationary bike classes. She educates I mean, cycling. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> and she's probably working at home. If she isn't, she's in the studio, not surrounded by anybody. She didn't need the vaccine. Shame on people like that. Uh, I'm a big Peloton fan. If I hear of any Peloton instructors doing this, I will stop taking their classes because this is just this is a step too far. Andrew we- will just burn his Peloton. <laughs> no, it was too expensive <laughs> for that. Um, this is just it's it's very disappointing. I definitely predicted that um, there was going to be some sort of black market for for celebrities because where there's a will, there's a way. There is a deep desire 
from the rich to get vaccinated so they can move on from this nonsense. Of course, everybody wants to move on from it, but we don't have the money to make it happen faster for us. We'll probably hear stories in the months and years ahead about this black market where all these celebrities are getting the vaccines. You know, none of them are going to go on Instagram and announce it because then they would get attacked. You know, if some if, you know, Darren Chris was like, I got vaccinated, he'd get in huge trouble. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think there are enough scenarios that we're hearing about for regular people where some people are able to jump the line and those don't bother me just because they tend to be cases where like, you know, the vaccine is only good for a certain amount of time once it's um, taken out of storage. And there was actually a case at um, a Publix not too far from me where they just had a bunch of people not show up for their appointments. And the pharmacist was literally walking around the store begging people to just take the vaccination so they wouldn't be wasted and thrown away. Yeah, I'm cool with Um, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like in those cases, it makes total sense. But yeah, I think um, receiving uh, an early vaccine out of pure monetary privilege is not okay. And at that point, it's like when somebody cheats the system, what are you supposed to do? You might as well just like let them get the second vaccine because like you said, it just yeah. it seems like a bit of a moot point not to. But yeah, well, I know uh, of the people I know who've gotten their first vaccine, they're supposed to make an appointment for you to get your second one on the spot. So yeah, if somebody is cheating the system, they are going to get that second appointment. If I hear about like the local food store or something with a pharmacy doing these vaccinations and like, we've got 10 extras per day, wait in line, camp out starting at 2 a.m. I'll be there. I'll do that shit. I don't know if we've said this on air yet. We said it somewhere, Pam, but like, well, actually all three of us, you know, we were born for this moment. Like we've waited in line overnight at Comic-Con, movie premieres, all that shit. (laughs) You know, we're ready to camp out for a vaccine. We've done this for Breaking Dawn (laughs) books. We've been trading our whole lives. Yes, exactly. The only difference is we need to social distance the lines now. Oh, that's true. Well, that's even better. I mean, these people yeah. wait in line for Harry Potter and Twilight. They are uh, not pleasant to be right next to shoulder to shoulder. Wow. <laughs> Some people just have some, you know, body odor oh issues. My goodness. An indictment. That's, look, I've been to a lot of Comic-Cons. I, you know, people, uh, <laughs> they need to work on their B.O. <laughs> You're calling nerds stinky. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, most of them have been in line for days by the time you're. you're... No, not even then. You you might not be getting an accurate representation of their BO at that point. Yeah, it's like three days in line for Hall H just to get into that Sunday panel. Uh, I know. Everybody would stink if you went three days without a shower. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew's like, not me. (laughs) No, well, sometimes when you're in one of those lines, people will hold your spot for you so you can go back to the hotel room and shower, you know, eat, do what you got to do. But anyway, uh, people are gross. That's not just a nerd thing. It's an everyone thing. That's true. (laughs) We'll be moving on to pop culture in a moment. But first, we're taking a quick break to talk about one of this week's sponsors, Every Plate. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's Best Value Meal Kit. With everything going on in the world, I know sometimes I find it hard to find the energy to plan and cook every meal, which unfortunately leaves expensive takeout options on those nights when I'm feeling less than inspired. What's great about every plate is that one meal from them is the same price as a cup of coffee, and they have plenty of options to suit a variety of needs. 
I recently had the shroom pepper and jack quesadillas, and not only were they delicious, every plate took away the hassle of needing to do my own food prep. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes, so I didn't feel overwhelmed about prep and cleanup time. And with their changing menu of 14 recipes per week to choose from, your options will never get stale. Get started with every plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off another two weeks by going to everyplate.com and entering code MILL199. Again, to get started with every plate for just $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off another two weeks, head to everyplate.com and enter code MILL199. And now back to the show. We'll jump into some pop culture stories now. <laughs> Follow up to our stock story last week about GameStop. There are now five GameStop stock projects in the works, television movie adaptations of this tale which, by the way, isn't really over yet. Um, most recently, HBO ordered a series on this on Friday. And I'm just rolling my... Ooh, Laura has Dunkin' Donuts. I'm just rolling my I eyes do. at this so hard because every one of them is going to be the same stupid premise. Speaking of nerds, it's going to be some poor nerd in his mom's basement who is on Reddit and he hears about this stock meme and you know he invests all his money in his, uh, you know, that he's got hiding under the cushion. He's got like $1,000 to his name. He puts it in GameStop and he becomes a millionaire or something. And then, you know, either he's going to walk away or he's not going to walk away with the money. He's also going to watch uh, his his Robinhood account become depleted as he holds it for too long. But I'm just like five projects already. <laughs> this is nuts. Hollywood is so desperate for some ideas. And I it's a compelling story. But like if I'm a writer in Hollywood and I hear that three other projects are already in the works, I'm probably just going to move on and come up with a more original idea because this is crazy. Some of these were greenlit too, like literal days, hours <laughs> after the pinnacle of what happened was, you know, making its way onto the internet. So do we think that any of these will be documentary style? Probably. Oh, maybe the is the okay. HBO one a, not a documentary? It's a It's not a no, I don't think so. Okay. Let me double check. No, it's a scripted series. <laughs> okay. I, oh God. Yeah, see that I really don't need. It could be interesting, you know, maybe a year or two from now to revisit this in documentary form. Yeah. Um I think the worst thing they could do is make it a docudrama like they did with um, what's that social media one on Netflix with the dude from Mad Men. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know what's so called. that had a lot of really interesting com- like information in it. But at the same time, the drama part of the docudrama was really ridiculous mm. and took me out of it. So please don't do that. No docudrama. I'm just imagining all these writers, too, being like, okay, we do want to develop this, but we are still waiting to see actually what happens to these two stocks. <laughs> I, do, I do know that okay. the MGM one, because MGM has uh, has greenlit one of these, uh, theirs is based off of uh, a book. So they acquired the rights to this book being written by the same guy that wrote The Social Network. 
So the book that mm. the social network was based off of. So it's still going to be stylized, but at least they legitimately have to wait for this guy to write the book. And I'm sure he has to wait for, you know, some kind of aftermath to take place before he's able to publish that. So that'll be a few years down the road. Something else that I thought was really interesting that we could talk about was um, Olivia Wilde's no assholes policy. Um, this has gotten a lot of traction lately. Um, it originally got discussed when we learned about her firing Shia LaBeouf from her latest film project, Don't Worry Darling, um, saying that it was because he violated her no assholes policy. Um, So LaBeouf was actually fired in September of 2020, and we later learned that two of his former romantic partners made allegations of abuse against him, which seems to suggest that that might have at least been somewhat connected with the reason why he was fired. Um, On sort of a separate note here, I haven't paid attention to Shia LaBeouf in a very long time, but I read his excuse for these allegations and it just, (laughs) it fell so flat for me. He said, I'm not in any position to tell anyone how my behavior made them feel. I have no excuses for my alcoholism or aggression, only rationalizations. I have been abusive to myself and everyone around me for years. I have a history of hurting the people closest to me. I'm ashamed of that history, and I'm sorry to those I hurt. There's nothing else I can really say. What? <laughs> He's been a real weirdo for many years at this point. Starting that guy with seems- that yeah. um, interactive exhibit in L.A. Do you remember that, Andrew? Vaguely. Yeah, the one yeah. where you could, like, you could queue up and you could go into a room, and it was just like you sitting across from Shia LaBeouf, and you were just like, <laughs> Ew. Stare into each other's eyes or something like that. You know, this is a total tangent, but we went to a Fallout Boy exhibit in Chicago a couple years ago, and the final part was literally Pete Wentz in a glass case laying down, and you walk right up to it, and like he's signing shoes and handing them out a hole in the glass. It was so weird. Pat loved it, of course, because he loves Fallout Boy, but that's very strange people are strange yeah (laughs) um but we get to learn more about this no assholes policy we'd only really heard it alluded to in the past but um in vanity fair's director on director series olivia wilde and uh promising young woman director emerald fennel spoke about the policy um and she wilde confirmed that she conceived of the policy after getting some really terrible advice from a quote prominent hollywood director Um, This advice was said to have contained nuggets of wisdom like you need to have three big fights on set every day to establish yourself as the predator (laughs) to make sure people are aware of the pecking order. Um, So she said that that was just completely out of line with her creative process and not the kind of um, environment she wanted to foster on set. Um, So apart from creating an atmosphere of accountability, she's hoping that this will also help level the field between actors and crew. She talked a lot about how there's this culture in Hollywood of like, don't make eye contact with the actors, don't approach them, don't talk to them. And she's really trying to break down those barriers on the sets of films that she's working on, which I think is a really good thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've definitely heard some stories about celebrities who don't want anybody even looking at them or they will flip their shit. Adele. So does she have like a breakdown of like every policy that makes you an asshole? I'm just wondering like what the exact list is. Yeah, I don't know that it's a list. When she was talking about it, it it was more 
uh, based on you don't talk down to anyone, no matter who you are. So no matter what title you hold or what your name is, you don't get to talk down to anyone. Um, So I think it's one of those policies where maybe there isn't necessarily prescribed behavior, but we've all kind of known from you know, working with various people or in various environments, you know when someone's being an asshole. And, you know, usually if you get that sense, then other people may get that sense as well. So yeah, we don't know exactly what Shia LaBeouf did on the set, but if, like, it would be very unlikely for the behavior that he's exhibited in the public eye to be you know, improved when he was on a private set. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. I have a feeling there's a lot of carryover. The only thing I'm going to say about this very quickly is that it is just really funny that, like, she's been in the business for a while. She's an actress. I just, I, I don't know how she could have not heard any, or maybe she's just very trusting. Like, people's reputations in Hollywood, they precede them. Like, and, and I'm sure that Andrew, having also you know, been in the business for a while. Like you hear things like, oh, this person is X, Y, Z, but they're harmless. You know, that's usually how people cushion it. Mm -hmm. But but I I just feel like there's no way that she could have not known that he was a little bit odd. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it kind of like this is obviously going to a very prominent example, but like Harvey Weinstein, everything that we hear about Weinstein in the wake of all of that information becoming public is that everyone knew. Yeah, exactly. Everyone talking about it at this point is like, oh, yeah, I always knew or I always had to be careful around him or, yeah, oh, I knew he was creepy, but it was just sort of accepted that that's the way he was. And nobody wanted to speak out because Harvey wielded a ton of power in Hollywood. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know what power Shia LaBeouf wields. (laughs) Well, I guess maybe you don't want to be... You don't want to be pigeonholed as like a rat around Hollywood, like just calling out other celebrities, because maybe that could yeah, but break she could down have just trust. I don't know. Like I, I feel like she must be very hands on. Clearly, if she was able to fire him and you know recast with Harry Styles, who by the way, when that casting news came out, they said that that Shia LaBeouf had scheduling cons- conflicts due to COVID messing up uh, the filming schedule so it's really funny i love yeah. that oh, I didn't yeah so she that. definitely like was like nope we're gonna tell you guys what really happened it's that i fired him anyway my my point in bringing this up is that it seems like she's somebody that has a very hands-on approach to every aspect of the films that she makes she's like a little bit of a different case in my in my head because it seems like she's very involved I don't know. Maybe she's just like I said, maybe she just wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's the, He's done some great work, Shia LaBeouf, but it's too bad that he's a jerk. Yeah, but he also did the tax collector. Well, we, everybody and makes mistakes, trash. Laura. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the one you saw in the drive through, oh, right? And you were so never, disappointed. Oh, yes. The one that I, I legit thought was like a really bad 2003 film about like cartels and the drug trade and then i saw that it was made in 2020 and i was like (laughs) what the fuck like it was it was just real bad and um yeah i'm wondering you know i think that a lot of this has to do with the convert ongoing conversations in hollywood surrounding accountability um what else could figures like olivia wilde do to promote 
better working culture in Hollywood. I like that she brought up the specific example of wanting to bring down walls between cast and crew and sort of like start undoing that culture of you can't interact with actors if you're not an actor. Are there any other major well-known toxic trends that come in Hollywood? I'm sure there are. I'm just not super up on them. Just being a kind person on set is going to make the biggest of improvements. I also think just being more outspoken on this issue is going to change people a lot. Because as we've kind of been saying, like a lot of this stuff goes unspoken. So it's allowed to persist, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's just, you know, verbal abuse, whatever, whether it's treating crew members like they're just lesser. It's all just like, well, that's Hollywood. But by speaking out, they might actually make a difference by speaking out persistently. You know, you just can't let this stuff go. Yeah, I would also say as well, like it, it's not just um, like an attitude adjustment that needs to be made. But on a lot of these sets, the, the crew specifically, they get run to the ground. Um, long hours are really common. Uh, very often, you know, shoots go over the um, the previously scheduled like film shoot day. And um, I think that that is also like a bit of an abuse of power, especially for young people that are coming into the industry, um, PAs, writers, assistants, things like that. Um, so I, I think that that on top of just learning to respect all people, regardless of whether you're higher up than they are or not, um, I think that the the culture in terms of the abuse of workload needs to change as well. Fighting for healthier boundaries. Yeah. Well, speaking of boundaries, Pam. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, um, some California lawmakers would prefer that there were less boundaries when it comes to major theme parks. Great. Yes. Uh, so there is uh, a new bill that has been proposed by two assembly members out in California. Uh, the bill is called AB 420, and it's <laughs> being co-sponsored by... I know, right? <laughs> uh, it's being co-sponsored by uh, Sharon Quirk Silva, who's a Democrat out of Buena Park, County and then Suzette Millardas, who is a Republican out of Santa Clarita County. Um, so they're basically just really upset that Disneyland, Universal Studios, Magic Mountain, all of those big theme parks in California have been closed for almost a year now. Um, no end in sight, really, in terms of when they should be opening back up. Um, so the idea for this is to move all larger theme parks like Disneyland into tier three. Uh, which is the orange category for California. Um, so the orange tier is a moderate risk level for contracting COVID. Um, and under this tier out here, uh, some business operations are open with modifications, uh, but you also need to have less than four daily new cases per 100,000 people, and then less than a 4% rate of positive tests over seven days. Uh, and each county is in a different tier. So it's really important also to just be aware of the fact that currently under these guidelines out in California, um, a lot of the counties, including Orange County, where Disneyland is located in Santa Clarita County, where Magic Mountain's okay, located, and even like LA County, where Universal Studios is located, they're all um, still in the purple tier, which is the highest tier. So <laughs> this is not anywhere close to being uh, made possible. Uh, but they're hoping that by moving these counties um, 
or I'm sorry, moving uh theme parks, major theme parks into um, an orange tier would allow them to reopen faster because right now they are only allowed to open if counties are in a yellow tier, which is the minimal risk. Um, and that is uh, really, really far off. So I actually I'm probably going to have the devil's advocate position here. And I mean this. I think they they really should reopen these parks. Nobody's being forced to go to these parks. If you feel comfortable going to the parks, um, then you should be able to go. These parks really want to open. In the case of Disneyland, it's very much outdoors. Um, they should operate at reduced capacities. But I would consider a theme park very safe. Also, when you consider, you look at Disney Disney World and Universal in Florida, they've reopened. It hasn't been an issue for the state. They've had an increase in daily cases just like the rest of the country has, but it hasn't been anything out of proportion when you compare it to the rest of the country. Um, and I also think that Disney and Universal are taking cleaning their parks very, very, very seriously. Anytime somebody gets off a ride, they're going to be wiping that shit down. I don't think it's any worse than a Walmart, any department store. One big issue with California and Bill Maher has been talking about this a lot on his show recently because it's taken him a thousand days and counting to get his damn solar installed. There is so much red tape in California. And this is part of the reason why these California theme parks haven't reopened yet. And, you know, what's ironic is that California has actually done a really bad job controlling the virus. And they have more shit closed than like anywhere around the country. So I don't I can't really make sense of it. But the theme parks should be allowed to reopen at this point. To your point about Florida being sort of like on pace with the rest of the country, that's because this whole country is fucking this up. So like, it's not that we're doing really well with it and we can say, oh, Florida's doing as well as the rest of us. Like, no, the whole country's fucking no, it up, including California. Yeah. I think about the park employees. I think about the people who would have no choice but to be there. You know, it's one thing if, you know, we as consumers decide that we're going to put ourselves in that position, but... Um, employees don't get to make that choice if they want to keep their jobs, right? And well, what's the difference between that and a Target? I mean, that's that's a good point. Well, the thing is with Target is that I think most people are not staying there all day. So, I mean, if you're following the rules, you're going in to get what you need and you're leaving. So there's less of a chance yeah, of, that's true. you know, I don't know. I think honestly, I throughout this whole thing, I, I've been thinking about this and I've been talking to a friend of mine who used to work at Disneyland and she was saying that it's probably going to take logistically Disney to um, it's going to take Disneyland a lot longer to recover and recoup losses because most people that go to Disneyland, it's not that people don't travel and that tourism doesn't come in for Disneyland, but most of those annual pass holders are people that live locally or that live within the state because it's just so easy to get in there. And when people are regulars, they're not necessarily spending as much money on like Disney owned hotels, for example, or on merchandise or things like that. And one of the things that we were talking about that we were surprised about is that at no point in any of this has Disney come to California, the state of California and said, what if we just open restaurants? They've been doing a little bit of that, though, haven't they? Yeah, they have now. But, mm -hmm. you know, like they could have done that over the holidays because oh, they usually yeah, yeah. have, you know, like their holiday food booths. Um, they have the space to do that if they wanted to do that. Right. And I don't know, maybe that would have been 
an easy way to show that they can handle having people come in and having low cases. I think what makes me uncomfortable about it, it, and it's the same sort of thing that applies to lots of different types of vacations that people like not to say that you can't take a vacation during COVID. I think that you can. Andrew, you've had some really good examples of taking safe vacations because you've gone places that have a lot of outdoor yeah, national parks type attractions, yeah. right? Um, but when I think about people in a theme park, I don't think about people who are being super guarded <laughs> or who are thinking very carefully about, you know, whether they're sneezing <laughs> out into the open air or whether they're sneezing into an elbow. Um, I don't think about people who are screaming inside their hearts, <laughs> as we've heard some suggest you should do on a roller coaster. <laughs> it just seems like there's a lot of risk that can come from people feeling like they're in a carefree environment, mm-hmm. like Disneyland. All good points. I know people in our Discord are uh, talking about it, too. And I know I'm not completely right on this issue, but I do feel like there are a lot of well, opportunities I think they've been very hard on the theme parks and it might be time to reopen with reduced capacity and spacing people out on the rides and only opening outdoor rides. Well, and I'm not saying that there's not a way that this could be done. I mean, I'm thinking about movie theaters, for example, that are allowing you to rent out an entire theater for a small, like for your pod or whatever. Not saying that it would be feasible for Disneyland to only rent itself out to one pot of people, but you could maybe place limits on that, like maybe X numbers of, you know, family units or pod units or whatever you want to call them can pay a fee to rent out Disneyland for the day. And that really would help minimize the number of people using the park. Whereas I feel like if it's just a free for all, I think it's a little harder to control the spread of things, at least if people know that they're there with their pod, that will kind of be who they hang around with as opposed to milling about in a big crowd. Very quickly, I will point out um, that under the current state guidelines, smaller theme parks can open. I can't think of any off the top of my head, and I did not look this up. But basically, what they constitute as a small theme park is anything that can hold 15,000 or fewer visitors. So if those theme parks happen to be in counties that are in the orange tier, they can reopen, but capacity has to be limited to 25% or 500 people, whichever is less. So, you know, perhaps if this bill pushes through, they'll they'll put some smaller restrictions. But I guess, you know, at that point, a place like Disneyland or even Universal is thinking, is it even worth it for us to open? Because we'd probably have to pay employees more to come in than we would make revenue back right right yeah i'm wondering if six flags is one of the parks that's open in la the magic mountain yeah i can't get a quick answer it doesn't seem like it's not it's not open nope thank you producer joel she's <laughs> <laughs> the voice of god but it's actually joel. Always got our back. <laughs> i like how she makes an executive decision to just jump into the chat <laughs> She's like, this recording has been going on for too damn long. It was a good executive decision. I'm just saying. (laughs) I appreciate that. That's because Jewel is God. It's important information to get out there immediately. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's move on to recommendations. 
I wanted to recommend uh, Super Mario 3D World. This is a game that was released for the Wii U a few years ago. It was very, very good. And as Nintendo has been doing with many of their most popular Wii U games, they are bringing it to their much more popular video game console, Nintendo Switch. And it comes out this Friday. It's very, very good. I really enjoyed the co-op in this when I played it on the Wii U. So I'm very much looking forward to doing that again. Um, They have added an expansion pack called Bowser's Fury to it, which I'm also very much looking forward to because the reviews of it have been very good so far. If you're a Switch player, if you're a Switch owner, and I know many are after Animal Crossing, check out Super Mario 3D World available this Friday. Um, I want to recommend Glossier's Generation G Lipstick. I recently got one of these because I was just curious and their branding is so good. I got bought in by it. So um, I got myself one and I really like these. They're like not really lipsticks. They're almost like highly pigmented chapsticks, which is great. Um, And I feel like the longer that we exist in this like Zoom only environment, the less inclined I am to spend time (laughs) on doing makeup. (laughs) So anything that's quick and easy is a-okay in my book. So definitely recommend this stuff. It is a little pricey, but um, I've also heard that uh, Revlon has a really good dupe for this that you can get at your drugstore. So check that out too. Are you wearing it today? (laughs) I am. It looks really nice. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you. I wanted to recommend Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which came back a few weeks ago, and I meant to recommend it when it did, and I did not, so I'm doing it now. It's on season two. It's probably one of the only shows on network television that I tune in for, um, oh, Wow! and it's just um, it's just really nice. It's uh, super uh, fun and also heartwarming, and it, and it kind of hits you in the feelings at some points as well. Uh, the actress and it just got nominated for a Golden Globe, so... I would check it out, especially if you were like a fan of um, of Glee or any show that incorporates music into their episodes. You'll really love this if you haven't gotten around to it yet. Coming up in After Dark today, we're going to talk more about our student loan debt discussion that we spoke about in 704. We received a lot of feedback and uh, yes. all over the map, by the way. And the person who wrote in the confessional actually came forward. I don't think we're going to reveal them. But no. worth noting that that person did reveal themselves um, and responded to our discussion. So that was cool. Well, and what's really cool about all the feedback we've gotten is that pretty much across the board, everybody agrees that the feelings that were expressed in that confessional are totally valid. So we've heard from people across the spectrum of like, I have student loans, I don't have student loans. You know, I did have student loans, but I paid them back. And what we can all agree on is that this is a big issue and it's not going to be one that's easily solved. So we're going to hear more of y'all's feedback in After Dark and discuss some of the other points we didn't get to get to. But then... (laughs) bonus points we're going to be talking about yeah we're going to talk about this new britney spears documentary called framing britney this was by the new york times it's available on hulu and it discusses how the media really ruins britney spears the person and we'll talk about that more coming up so check out our patreon for after dark you also get hashing it out which is our pre-show discussion we had a juicy one or not a juicy one a meaty one today in that there was a plenty to talk about before starting the show 
you also get access to our Discord. So you can sound off on the show as we are recording. And it's really great to hear from everybody in real time as we are talking. I feel like the Discord just in recent months has been on fire. So thanks to everybody who participates in the Discord. It's nice having an audience as we record. Mm-hmm. Also, if you could take a moment to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Millennial, we would very much appreciate that. If you want to write in, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on the website and follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye. See ya.